If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's. Hoop Dreams, the podcast, an Unlearning Network production. Man, we're excited about this one today. We got the multi-talented person on the show. He's an artist, former athlete, NFL player, an artist, Arthur, entrepreneur. Oh, yeah. He acts a little bit, too, you know, only 20 years or so. Started some of the favorite movies and TV shows, White Chicks, The Longest Yard, one of my favorites, Everybody (laughs) Hates Chris. Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Expandables, America's Got Talent, and the list just keeps going and going. We'd like to welcome to the show a very special guest on the Hoop Dreams podcast today, none other than Mr. Terry Crews. I'm Will Gates, and that's my dog. Arthur A.G., man. Welcome to the show, Terry, man. We appreciate you being here, man. How you doing, brother? Man, uh, you don't understand. Uh, Listen. The, the love goes both ways, man. Arthur, William, you guys, man, oh, you don't understand. The first time I saw Hoop Dreams, I said, this is my fam. They just fam. Like, I, I, I couldn't believe it, man. It was so, and I saw it in a theater. You know what I mean? Like, I'm talking about when it first came out. Right. And it blew me away. It was right up there with Do the Right Thing, was one of my, right up there with Star Wars, right up there with some of my favorite films, simply because it was, I recognized all that I came from, man. I mean, yeah. you know, I'm from Flint, Michigan. You know what I mean? You guys grew up in Chicago, the whole thing, but similar circumstances, man. You know, just mm-hmm. a lot, a lot of obstacles, man, that we had to get out of and, and, and overcome, but big dreams. See, on top of all that, the, the the dream was, man, we got to make it. There's something else out there. There's something we yep. have to get there, man. And I'm so proud of the men you have became. Like, again, I feel like I already know y'all. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, I, I yep. feel like I grew up with you. Like, we went to school together. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and I'm just proud, man, that um, you guys are still friends, still doing this, still... Still at it, man, and um, I'm just honored, man. I'm honored to be here, honored to talk to you. You have no idea yeah. how much you have influenced my life. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to tell you, man, that just the fact that so many people watched you guys grow up and saw this, you yeah. see, because you could, you could probably, you know, people could tell you about the story, but to mm-hmm. watch the story, to see it, yeah, man, it just it's it's something that uh, I, I I can't describe, man. And you have inspired nations full of people, man. Like, so, so many. Thank you, guys. We didn't even try to be famous. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we was trying to be famous on a basketball court. Right. Not right. knowing, right. not knowing 27 some years later, you know, this thing was gonna carry on, have a life of its own. Yeah. And inspire so many people, man. It's just a pleasure to, man. It's just a pleasure to even speak with you, man. Cause like me and Will said, you one of our favorite actors, man. 
Absolutely. Wow. Without thank a you, doubt. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, well, you know, Terry, our, our, our podcast is a little bit different, man. We want to get into the Terry Crews origin story. So we want to go back to the beginning, man. Uh, take us back to your childhood, where you grew up, you know, the neighborhood. What was it like growing up in the 70s and 80s? Talk to us about that. Woo. Okay. All right. I'm 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 53 years old. I'll be 54 in July. I was born in 1968 in Flint, Michigan. Now, Whoa. one thing people have to understand, listen, listen, at the time, you got to understand this about Flint, Michigan. It was like, you know, San Francisco, man. It, You know, General Motors yeah. was the number one corporation in the world. Like, they, it was money everywhere, man. And this is the thing. My father grew up in Georgia, and he moved up to Flint to work in a factory. So, what? and then on my mother's side, she was born in Flint, but her family came from Georgia too, and everybody came up for this auto industry, man. You know, everybody yeah. was going to work in the shop. So everybody's parents was working at the at, at the car dealer, at, at the auto. Everybody. My grandmother was at AC Spark Plug. Uh, my father was at Buick. Uh, everybody I knew... Worked at the factory. And listen, man, they was giving out homes. They were giving out cars. They were giving what? out pensions. They were giving... Everything you got was from GM. Like, GM ran everything, man. Now, everybody had a house. Everybody had... And, but, you know, so coming up, mm -hmm. it was wild because, you know, people were living good. I remember going and seeing the 4th of July and everything was great and the stores and the people. Yeah. And yeah. what was crazy, and this is what happened, you know, in my young, young days, like by the time I was like, you know, as a little, little boy, all the way to about 12 years old, Flint was okay. Like Flint was doing good. And then it was like a bomb hit the city, man. Like when I say a bomb, it started with the gas crisis, like in the seventies, like mm -hmm. and it started to hit. Cause I, again, I'm 68 around 60, about 78. Mm -hmm. Stuff started to change, like major, man. And I remember, see, you got to know, like, what's wild is that we see Toyotas and Nissans and all that. Mm -hmm. But back in the day, they used to burn foreign cars. Like, really? You see, you see pillars of smoke coming up, and they was like, "Don't you dare bring that foreign car up in here!" Somebody brought, drive a Toyota in there, they burn it. What? Like people were saying, because this like this is GM town. It was like gang stuff. You know what I mean? Like, wow. And then. Now, on top of all that, on top of all that, my father was a foreman. My father became, he worked his way up to being a foreman in, in General Motors. Mm -hmm. But my father was an alcoholic. And when I say alcoholic, and I mean, you know, it was one of the things where it took me years and years to understand a little bit about his background because he didn't really tell me nothing. Mm. But he was very, very abusive. Now, my, one of my earliest memories growing up was my father hitting my mother in the face as hard as he could and me watching my mother go down. Like, I can't, you know, it's almost like every time I talk about it, I can go right back to that spot because that's your mama. You know, you just think, what is going on? And I used to wake up to screaming, to fighting, to glass breaking, to, to craziness, man. And what's so crazy about the whole thing was that, you know, I didn't understand what was, this is this like two, these two people who are supposed to be loving each other. Like this, I don't, you know, I'm five years old. I'm trying to figure out what, what life is. And I'm seeing my father 
beat up my mother and I'm like, yo, like my whole thing was, yeah. is that whatever he says goes. Mm. I grew up scared. Mm. Like it was always something to be scared of. You know what wow. I mean? Like it was always something. He was a big dude, man. He walk around the house, you hear his footsteps, the whole thing. And he, you know, one thing it was, it was, I had like two fathers. There was a father that I would see on his way to work, mm-hmm. which that was was clean, and he had his short sleeve shirts ready with his name embroidered embroidered on the pocket with the pins, and he was a foreman. And he was polishing his shoes and the whole thing, and and he would be getting ready to go to work, and he re- he worked second shift. So I remember about one o'clock, my mother would have a plate ready to go, and he eating whole thing, and he's out, and and then there was the father that came back after work after the bar, mm. after having a few drinks, after the whole thing, man. And he was told up. He would be listening to Bobby Womack and singing sad songs. And man, you couldn't get near him. Like, I don't even want, you know, it was like I, that dude, it was a whole nother person. It was like watching two, watching him become one person, changing over to the next every day. Wow. You know what I mean? I, we hear the car pulling up, man. We would be like, okay, get out of here. Like, find something to do, get out the way. He is, you know what I mean? He come wow. home mad. So he was, so you could say he was a functioning alcoholic. Oh yeah. Oh, big time, big time. And, but the thing was, is that that's how it was in the shop. Wait, wait, first of all, whole, the whole alcohol, uh, being an alcoholic wasn't even a term. <laughs> you know what I mean? It wasn't like, even a term. You know what I mean? That was like, you, you, that's what you did. <laughs> that wow. was like, get your drink. And you, you know, the term was wino. Yeah, back mm-hmm. in the day, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Now that's meant you were homeless, but if you had a home, you ain't no alcoholic, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That was just that, that dude didn't have no house. That's a wino. Wow. But the one anybody who had a house and a job, you know, you could you could go on and nobody really acknowledged that you ever had a problem. Mm. And also another thing is that domestic violence. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. Wasn't really a thing either. Yeah, you know what I mean. It was like you, you, hey man, you were supposed to get your girl in line. Yeah, oh, well, yeah. And, and, and then when the mama called the police, the police show up and they be like, "Are oh, y'all married?" Oh, all right, yeah, we, we finna get nothing, man. You just handling your business. Yep. Hey man, look, I'll never forget my mama stabbed my my father, stabbed him. I'll never forget. He had he used to have wear them white V neck t shirts. This is why you see things as a kid and big white V neck. Yeah. And I remember him holding his side, man, as the blood was like coming out on it. And he was sitting on the stoop, sitting in front of the house. Mm-hmm. 
And the police came and the lights and stuff. And again, I'm really little, but my mother was like, she stabbed him. And he was like, ain't nothing wrong. No, no. And the police came and they was like, what do you want us to do? And he was like, ain't nothing wrong. Ain't nothing wrong. And she was backing him up like, no, he's good. It's good. You know, it was kind of like, cover it all up. It ain't, it ain't no thing, but it was looking back, man, and the stuff we know now. Yeah. And in hindsight, it was bad, man. I mean, and on top of being alcoholic, he would gamble. Mm. So, you know, he played a lottery and then the illegal lottery. You know what I'm saying? And another man would come numbers. through. And so what thing lottery. I realized is that we weren't poor. Well, yeah, well, you know what I'm saying? He, yeah. he wasn't poor. We weren't poor. But we lived like we was poor because mm-hmm. he didn't say no money. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're talking about making good money in the shop that, you know, it was like, he was like, man, it's Monopoly money. We can just go out here and do this and do that. So we lived well below where we should have lived. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Absolutely. How many brothers and sisters you have, Terry? I had an older brother mm-hmm. and a younger sister. And my older brother was we had different fathers. So my mother got pregnant with my with my brother at 16, and she had me at 18. Mm. And then she had my sister six years later. So I'm six okay. years older than my sister with my with my dad and my mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, but see, my mother was so young, she was kind of like our big sister. We didn't call her mom, we called her Trish. Mm. And, and we called my grandmama, mama. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's what it was. It was like, hey, Trish, she was like, you know, she was really, really young. You know, 16, 18, you got two kids. Yeah. It's like she was like big sister. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but this is another thing about my mom. She was addicted to religion. Mm. So I grew up in the Church of God in Christ, which wouldn't allow you to do nothing. Guys, Nothing. when I say nothing, no secular music, no dancing, no sports, no movies. My mother was like sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, with the dresses all the way down to the ankles, no makeup. Mm-hmm. What? And do and everybody was like, and we weren't allowed to do nothing but sit down and shut up. <laughs> so you went to church almost early in the week, huh? Not just That's on Sundays. Oh my goodness, man! And wait, and church was like six hours long. You know what I mean, like. Right, you know, it never ended. It was just, it didn't, wait, we would go Sunday morning, right? We'd get there about nine, go all the way to four, right? In church, go home, because my mother would put some beans on the stove, so have something bubbling, go eat that, and then come back for like seven o'clock service. I said, man, what in the world? We used to bring pillows to church. even. <laughs> <laughs> We ain't never leaving. And look, it was crazy. I mean, my mother would pinch me and do all this, like, cause wake up, stand up. I was like, but I couldn't get why we could look. But this is another thing that as a kid I noticed mm-hmm. that we could watch all the movies on TV. Yeah. But we couldn't watch, we couldn't go to the movies and watch them. And I would be asking mm-hmm. all these questions like, when Jaws came on TV, we watched it, but we can't go to the movie. Should hey, shut up, sit down, and shut up. <laughs> you right. asking too many questions. That's you know? right. That's right. So that the religion mm-hmm. and the alcoholism, because my father didn't go, it made for real. It was always mm-hmm. like she was on him, like you need to be doing this. He was like, leave me alone, and it would always 
it was a really, really toxic mix, man. Like a lot of violence, a lot of screaming, and it was just I had to I had to find a way to get out. And how how did how did you escape from that? And when did you start playing sports? Check this out. Um, my thing was I, the way I escaped mentally was art. Because mm. we can't go to the movies. You can't do nothing. So my mother would say, sit down and shut up. So what I did was take a piece of paper mm -hmm. and some pencils, and I just drew. And I would draw all day. And I'm left-handed, right brain, right? And so my creativity was just off the chain. Like, I used to, people would, would I'd go to school, and everybody would be talking about the movies that they saw. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I would go home and draw what I thought the movies were. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, oh man, this, this you know, this or, or comic books and different stuff, man. And so I would get lost in my own imagination. You see wow. what I mean? Because nothing was legal. So I was just drawing musicians. I mean, and I had, this is the thing, I had a good friend mm -hmm. and he was a couple years older than us. His name was Charles, Charles Estes. And Charles was, you know, I thought my house was bad, but my man Charles had a really hard life. Like his father would beat them with chains and whips and mm -hmm. I mean like extension cords and, and, and I mean, he had a wood plank with nails in it, man. They would get beat, they'd be bleeding, man. It was so foul. But Charles was part of my church. Okay. And Charles was one of the most amazing musicians ever, right? So we go to Charles' house, and that's where I listen to my secular music. He has Stevie Wonder, Shaka mm. Khan, you know, all the, you know, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire, all yeah. the stuff we were like, oh, we can't do that at home, you know? <laughs> and that's where we learned to dance. I kind of would pick up on what was going on because all the kids in the church were doing all that stuff, you know, on the side. I don't know if you remember a group called Midnight Star. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They had that song called Freakathoid. Yeah. They their parent, their mama was a member of our church, and they were like, and the kids were like, "Ooh, your mom, like, you know, uh, Midnight Star is blowing up," and she'd be like, "Shh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> don't tell nobody." She really wanted, she, but she was happy for him. But she was like, "Come on, uh, you know, right. yeah." Because and this thing, man, it was such a wild time. Um, how I escaped was just any way I could. You see what I mean? Like yeah. mentally. I got out of it. Now, I wasn't allowed to play sports as a kid, right? Because they felt like you were just trying to hurt people and be co competitive and and all that. And then uh, what was so crazy is that when I turned 14, the my I wanted to play football so bad. And I had a junior high, uh, my uh, junior high school coach, a guy by the name of Coach Lee, came by my house. Mm -hmm. And he said, he begged my parents. He said, first of all, I really feel like this it could be Terry's opportunity. Like, I feel like this is a way for him to go to college. This is a way for him to actually see, you know, this could be a new path for him. Right. And if he doesn't do this, you'd be cutting him off. And um, my my parents kind of was like, I think they were a little, because my father was, was wild. He hated sports. He wasn't really? religious. He just hated sport. He wanted me to go in the military. The way he grew up, I don't know what happened to him. Something happened to him sports-wise that made him just like, man, y'all, I don't like sports at all. He never followed it, but he was always into that military life. You know what I mm. mean? So he always was pumping the military. And he, and what happened was my mother was convinced because mm. she started to see, after all the years of being religious and, and this kind of stuff, 
that she said, well, this might be a way for him. So she, and, and then that was also a way for me to keep my grades up. It was something they could hold on me. Like, you, you want to play the sport? You better keep these grades right here, you know? Mm-hmm. And I told them, I'll, I'll, listen, you let me do this. I, you know, I begged and pleaded. And they let me play football. Now, the, another thing that saved me, and I'll be honest, it saved me, man. Because this, you know, when the auto industry was falling in the 1980s, yeah. you know, it fell hard and it fell quick. Like when I say by 80 to 82, yeah. the factories was closed and all these people were out of work, man. But they went straight into the drug game. Right. That's, that's right. Make hit. Like people went straight from the shop to the to the dope. To the trap house. Like it was like bump that. And we had what was crazy, man. It was like 14 people, little 14-year-old kids running around with Uzis and 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 you know, Chevrolet Chevettes and, you know, mm. whole thing. And and the whole drug game just blew up. Like, crack was everywhere. If you wasn't selling it, they was on it. Mm. And when I say on it, I mean, people turn into zombies. It was like walking dead. And what? I remember right in my hood, a lot of kids that I went to school with, you know, they were getting killed. They mm. were they were t- either getting on dope. One of my best, best Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Friends, man, it was so wild because I watched him, whole, you know, he, him change. And he had got on them drugs, man. And I remember the last time I saw him, he had black lips and he was real thin. And mm-hmm. he couldn't even pay attention to what I was telling him. And I was like, oh, man, like. But the fact is, with me being so religious, yeah. being in that environment, it actually protected me. Correct. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wasn't yeah. out there. You know what I mean? Now I didn't. I wasn't doing nothing, but I wasn't doing nothing bad either. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, that, it, it actually. I mean, how that came in? That probably actually like scared you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, oh. damn! Like it could make you do that. Act like that. Oh, oh I don't dude. want none of that. I'm and not I even. Saw, Oh man, look, and you know, every weekend, it wasn't a weekend that went by where cats weren't dying, man. You was shootouts and, and yeah. drive-bys and it got crazy. Like I I I it was so insane that, you know, because because you know, things just kept closing. Like yeah. I, I couldn't yeah. understand it because the both of those things happening just decimated the city man like i'll even be i'll be honest right now to th- at this moment um you know my high school is just a field like everything that i remember growing up and seeing in flint michigan in flint, is right. gone. wow gone. like i i, I know at, at least like when you go to talk about places like brooklyn and chicago at least they the buildings are there mm-hmm. you might have different memories of it but right. i don't even have no building to go back to it's just feels. Really? You know what I mean? And it's it's wild because it's almost like a yeah, I remember when this building was here. And I remember because now it's a block with just grass. And you now, know now Terry, I I've been to Detroit because we have my uh, I have an aunt that uh that left uh Birmingham, Alabama and lives there in Detroit. But I and I and I used to go up there as a kid. But how far is Flint from Detroit? Or is it like a suburb out out of the city? Like, it's it's too far to be a suburb. It's pretty, it's about forty minutes. Okay, 
You know what I mean? So it's about 40 minutes. So there's a lot of connections. And and what was one of the big gangs that really hit in Detroit was Young Boys Incorporated. And you got to understand about Young Boys. Young Boys changed everything. Because mm. Young Boys figured out that if you had what you had, that what they were recruiting was young, young, young kids. Mm-hmm. And they knew. And that's why they were called Young Boys. Because mm. they knew that if you... If a young kid did something, he go to juvie and come right back out at 16. Yeah. 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 And they go back out on the street. So you had cats recruiting young boys at 12. I mean, wow. outside of middle school, man. Little 11 year olds, 12 year olds would be selling drugs. And the wow. whole thing. And they changed the game because it was like nobody was that sinister up until that point. Like to go to the middle schools and be like, this is my our new crew. Right. And so that's why it was so young and crazy. And so we had another group that mirrored that was a, uh, a gang called the Top Dogs in Flint. Mm. And I'll never forget, man, there was so many times we had like roller skating rinks. There was a big, big roller skating rink called Rolettes. Mm. And I remember when the young boys came up and shot it up. Mm. Their whole thing was just establishing, you know. They territory. Putting mission. You know what I mean? I was just that. It was like the Supreme Team in, in New York or, you know, these. And, and what's so wild is how gang culture really started in Chicago. You know what I'm saying? With the El Rukin and all that. You know what I'm saying? The whole thing. Yeah. Uh, it was way, way, bur- you know, before the Bloods and Crips. But what was wild is that young boys had its own. Like, I remember just being scared, man. Like, just being scared of everything. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, one thing, but one thing that protected me uh, was being an athlete. Mm. Because, you know, being an artist didn't protect me. But being mm. an athlete, people kind of saw I had a little neck. I had a little, so you know what I mean? It was kind of like mm-hmm. the people, the games was a little bit like, don't mess with that dude. Yeah, he into sports. He, he ain't even right. He has, you know what he, I mean? He's a square. They call they them squares. They would actually go after cat. Like, all right, man, you ain't got no choice. Like, <laughs> you either in or you, or, you know, are you either with us or against us? Wow. And you didn't want to be against them, but they left the athletes alone. And it, it was why I had my little Letterman's jacket and the whole thing. So they was like, okay, but the, but there was one thing that also saved me is that I went to a magnet school, which was a school called Flint Academy. Mm. And Flint Academy was different. It was, was okay. almost, it was an experiment. And this has been early days of magnet schools because if I would have went right to the straight public school, I, I think I would have been, I think I'd have been lost. But this school decided I had a talent and they said, you are a great artist. Mm. So we see this talent, so we're going to let you come here. So what happened is, it all the people with special talents in different parts of the city would come into Flint Academy and be bussed in. Wow. And, and it was right in the middle of the hood, like in the one of the worst parts of Flint, but the school had white kids. It had different kids from the suburbs because right. everybody wanted to go to this school because it was special because you had this talent. Some some people were math oriented. So, you know, all everybody had good grades and the, and the temptation and the peer pressure was to be excellent. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas yeah. I, I remember taking some classes at Flint Central and man, the peer pressure was like, man, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, right. <laughs> I mean, it was right. like, you put in there and they were, man, the, the teacher was hiding behind a desk, man. It was right. Like, right. 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 
I ain't gonna lie, man. I, it shocked me, man. I was like, the teacher was like, whatever they want to do, go right ahead. He wouldn't even look up. He just, you know, he made sure he didn't look none of these students in the eye. Right, <laughs> right. Like, that's right. And I was like, man, this is crazy. So that's the one thing that saved me. Like, it actually opened up my world. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just a little bit. I had that crack that, like I said, religion was first, and then that school was second. That kind of, it created a bubble that protected me and allowed me to get through it and kind of get and, and navigate all this crazy, dangerous time, man. It was wild. It's interesting that you say that because it was, it was art that basically got you into college, even though you was this incredible athlete. How, how, did, how did those two merge like that? But this is the problem. This is a problem. Now, I was an athlete, but the issue is my school was more academic. So we, we, nobody cared. You know what I mean? It was mm -hmm. like, oh man, he go to, it's like, it's like going to an Ivy school or something like, man, mm. versus USC. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. mm, I Night was trying day. to get looked from colleges. You know, man, I wrote like 400 letters to different colleges wow. and nobody, nobody even looked. You know what I mean? And then I had, and then my man, Coach Lee, who who basically let me, you know, he really got me on the team. He left because he got in an argument with the coach. And the coach that was over my career for the rest of my high school years, he didn't care. He was like, he was dogging us out. And I was like, oh, man, because the school was more academic than it was athletic. Mm -hmm. But I never stopped because this is another thing. Because my father was so abusive, I knew one day that I'd have to take him on. Like, when I was a kid, my whole thing was about getting strong. Mm. You know, it, it, I mean, and I, I actually think this is, comes through therapy. It comes mm -hmm. through actually thinking about, in hindsight, what, what, how you became, what you became. But, you know, I've been working out. I, my thing is, I was early, early on. I'd be lifting couches, and my whole dream was to be strong, man, and, and whole thing. So as a kid, because I knew one day I might have to kill my father. That was a reality in my head. Wow. Because being that and being scared all the time, you go say, hey, look, I'll, you know, you get tired. You know, yeah. You know, I, and, and you want to protect your mom. Scared. You know what I mean? Right. It's one thing to be scared and skinny. But you know, I decided I was going to be scared and big just in case something happened. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? And so I was through myself into fitness, through myself. And then the other thing was, I knew art was only going to get me so far. Like, mm -hmm. you know, nobody's going to pay people for art. You know, what we used to do back in the day, I would get paid. I'd get like $25 and I would do like the drug Mickey Mouse. Like I'll have him on a, with a big coat on, with feelers on and, mm -hmm. and you know, sitting there with his hands in his pocket, Mickey Mouse with, the, with sunglasses. And then they would take him to screen printing places and they would make these screen printing t-shirts. That was the whole, that was wow. the hotness, you know? with airbrush t-shirts and all that stuff so me and my friends we would i would just keep drawing those those things and then we would have all the hot shirt we we'd only get 25 dollars, but we would see people all at the mall with my shirt on uh -huh. and they didn't even know who drew it but i knew i did it right and we do that with popeye and mickey mouse and oh, all them man. ghetto versions <laughs> you know <laughs> but that was my skill that was my thing i was like but i was and I really was into what I was doing, but I didn't see no more money than that. I was like, hey, give me $25. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But it ain't. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. I paid for everything, but I knew football was going to be my way. Mm. And I, I decided that football was going to be my way. And I ended up walking on at Western Michigan University. I got a $500 art scholarship. Like mm. it didn't pay the whole way. Right. But I, I knew if I got in, I could earn a scholarship through football that would pay my whole way. So I begged my mother right. and my father. I said, look, please just take care of one year, one year. All the stuff that's outside of this $500, please just take care of this and I'll get a scholarship the rest of the way. Right. And uh, that was, and they, they went, to, man, it was hard because again, my father didn't give up his gambling. Right. And my mother had to make all the sacrifices and it was hard that first year. And then I went to college and went to the coaches after the first year. And I was like, okay, I need a scholarship now. And they said, no, mm. they said, no. And I went home like, oh, no. And I begged my mother. I said, look, you don't have to get a whole year. Let's just, can I just try to go back for a semester? A semester, and show. Said, Terry, come on. And she fought, fought. Man, they went without, you know what I mean? Wow. And I went a whole nother semester, and I got my scholarship. And it ended up being mm. one of the best players that ever played at Western Michigan. Wow. I mean, Absolutely. But, you know, it, it was a fight, man. It was a fight, fight. I never got recruited. I never got hyped. They, but I, I was that walk-on. You know what I mean? But I learned something, man. Like, that was the moment I knew that no was negotiable. Like, mm. it might be no today. Right. But no could be yes tomorrow. I want to speak back to uh, on you being raised up in Flint because I want to know because me and Will was kind of Will was raised in Cabrini Green, and and yeah. and it's and it's like its own its own world. Meaning that if Will wanted to go downtown, he would have to walk down Division Street out of his own world and start walking to the rich areas, to the business districts, and all of that. You being in Flint, were you able to get out of Flint and, and experience you know the the Michigan, the Detroit's, the other areas and stuff? And was that part of you, you know, because I, I know Will still have some that Cabrini Green in him, but he saw his environment and was like, no, I'm not going to be my environment. I got to do something else to get out of here. Let me tell you what happened. What was so amazing, just like I had Coach Lee for my sports, mm-hmm. I had this art teacher, man. Oh, man. I get emotional thinking about it, man. Really? Mr. Eichelberg. Really? Mr. Eichelberg, I'll never forget. He was a corn farmer out in, in way in rural Michigan. He would drive in to teach at the school. He said, Terry, you're the best artist I've ever seen. He said, your natural talent is amazing. I'll be like sitting there like, oh, you know, whatever, you know? Yeah. And because I, I didn't think, you know, I didn't believe, man. I just didn't believe in myself. This man, look, he took my art. He took pictures of it, had it professionally photographed. I didn't even know. You got to understand, I didn't even know. What? Took the stuff, got it photographed, filled out all the applications for me, sent them in. I got a a full-ride scholarship for a summer camp program 
at Interlochen. Now, Interlochen is one of the best arts camps in the world. Wait, in the world. People from Germany, Italy, France, uh, California, everybody was there. And it cost big bank, like major money. I mean, all the rich kids, it's still there in Michigan. And what it is, is music and art mm -hmm. and all these and acting and creative. And all these kids go there for the summer session. It's six weeks. He got me a full ride scholarship from Chrysler. What? To go. And he, and listen, I was, I remember walking into class. He said, Terry, he said, man, are you ready to, to, to pursue your art further? I was like, what are you talking about, man? He was like, I got you this guy. He's, then he pulled out all the paperwork. He said, are you ready to go to interlocking this summer? And it was the summer before and he filled out my Western Michigan scholarship, by the way, too. That's wow. how I ended up getting $500. But he sent that over. And I, Interlocking is all the way up at the top of Michigan, near the UP. It's near Traverse City. Okay. I had never been, like, I had never even been on a plane. I had never, you know, I ain't going nowhere. I ain't, I ain't never right. been nowhere. I went up there, man. And there it was, it was, it was campgrounds and beautiful, like, trees and man I, I, and we all had uniforms and all this and it was full ride so everything was taken care of man and and yeah. there i was and we wanted a handful of black people like you know most of the school was white yeah and i would say we had about probably 10 black people out of 400 500 kids you know what i'm saying wow. you you gotta understand that opened my whole world. And I'm going to tell you, one. there's one quick story that tells it all. We were supposed to draw all these paintings. And I remember getting there and I was like, oh, man, maybe I'm not good. You know, you start not, you know, you know, you doubting. Like, yeah. I was like, man, I don't know if I belong here. This is crazy, right? Yeah. So they they tell us to do all these, these drawings. And we were doing these drawings. And they said, don't put your name on them. And they had, and, all, and my class had about 30, 40 kids in it. And so we put all our paint, our, all our drawings on this wall with no names, right? Mm -hmm. And the director of the Art Institute of Cincinnati was coming through. And he and a big thing was about competition and finding out who's who, who. So they said, the teacher said, who has the best, what, he said, show me the best drawing on that board. And it was all, the wall was full of stuff. He, he looked through all of them and he went right to mine. He said, this one is the best one in this room. Now, what? That's mine. Then they said, what's the second, what's the next best? He went all the way across the room and picked my other one. And we only allowed to do two. Wow. And people started clapping and people was like, oh, that's Terry, that's Terry. Man, listen, listen. For the first time in my entire life. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting emotional to think about it, man. I know. For the first time in my entire life. I said, wait a minute, I'm just as good as anybody, as anybody. Like, not only am I good, yep. I'm the best here. Not at any, like, this is what my, this is what my art can bring me. And I said, it didn't have nothing to do with me being white. Didn't have me, you know, nobody gave me a gimme because I was black. You know, it was raw. It was just raw. It was like, this dude is the best artist in this whole thing. How did you go back? How did that, what did that teacher say when you went back to school and, and what? He's, I know he was like, Terry, I told you. I went straight from, listen, I went straight from there to college. 
Like I didn't go back. Remember, it was my senior year. It was senior year, summer. So, so, but I did see Mr. Eichelberg later. You gotta understand, man. I ran into Mr. Eichelberg almost about four years ago, and he was so proud, man, because he's seen the movies, he's seen all yeah. this stuff. He, and he was like, Terry, I always knew. I was in tears. Let me tell you, I was in tears when I saw Mr. Eichelberg. Yeah. And I just said, man. I would I have said, to. You're the only one, man. I said, you told me. You filled out the application. I said, I yep. would have ne- had none of this. Hey, Terry, that's so crazy. You almost sounded just like William Gates in the movie when he said, man, when I went out to St. Joe's, I ain't know if I should be here. <laughs> Remember you said that, Will? <laughs> He's like, oh, I think I should change schools. I don't know if I'm, I don't know. Man, it's so it's so easy for self-doubt to kick in because you already, because you, when you walk into that environment, you see their advantage already. So that's the first thing hit you. You're like, man, these dudes are already ahead of the game and you don't even know what to expect. But Terry, I was just like you, man. I was like, man, I, not only do I belong, I'm, I'm the best out here. I started thinking, <laughs> saying, they need me. <laughs> you know what this, this is the thing man and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna cross the line here a little bit but one thing people don't understand is that you know opportunity you gotta find it like mm. if somebody gives you an opportunity it's not really an opportunity it's a charity yeah. you know what I mean yeah. like charity look charity is given but opportunity is hidden Absolutely. you gotta find it like it ain't gonna be easy like uh, it's it's got to be some struggle, like a little bit. Now, the problem is is that you get resistance, and, and, and I think that you know weeks into, and I, I I'll say this for me, mm-hmm. there were times in my life I get a little resistance. That means, oh man, I'm, I'm not supposed to do that. But sometimes you going into the wind, and you still go in the right direction. Absolutely, yeah. mm. you know what I'm saying? Absolutely, that's Absolutely. that's what I had to get. Like, man, like. These little obstacles, man, these Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Little things, man, they are stepping stones. Mm-hmm. But you got to reframe them. You can't quit. You can't stop. You know, there was a thing, like, I'm sure going to St. Joe's, and, and you know when you look at the uh, academics, it was like oh, oh. But when you fight yeah. it, you can do it. You, you just gotta work. Yeah. You can do anything, but you got to practice. Like yeah, absolutely. In the hood, it was like get by. You know, yeah. what I mean, I, the after school, they would just push you on and let you go, and like ah, whatever, man. Yeah, and that ain't making you better. Hey, 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 Terry, that's so funny you said that because I remember when I felt when I I didn't feel it for myself. I mean, I, I was just a knucklehead at the time, but when me and William went into St. Joe's, they all put us in these uh, lower standard classes, right? So me and Will was in Sister Marilyn's classroom. I think it was a, compos- a reading, a composition of one of them. Will stayed in that class for one week. After one week, he was gone. That's when I knew that he figured it out. Like, oh, shit. Like, I could, 
this thing, I could do this. And they only put us in those classes because me and Will and them took, I mean, well, he, we took these uh, entry, entry exams, entry tests. And we just, you know, A, B, C, D, just, get, just, di- just did it just to get out of there. So they used those test scores and said that we came in reading on a fifth and sixth grade level, which we wasn't, you know. Right. It, 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 it hit me when I didn't see my buddy in the classroom with me. I was like, damn, Will done figured it out. He a damn genius. He a, he a, he a nerd now. <laughs> this time I'm saying, I'm like, damn, he gonna leave me in the damn in, in, in the lowest standard class. I'm like, let me let me buck myself up and get to studying and get my ass up out of here, dude. You know, I got another story for you, man. And this this blew me away, man. When I around when I was 14, same time, they I had um this is after Coach Lee left. When Coach Lee left, and I was almost about I think I was turning 15 at the time. And I had big football dreams, like big, like, okay, we're going to do this football because they let me on the team. I finally can play sports. And I saw the way I said, I'm going all the way to NFL. That's all I was talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a substitute teacher. This is the dude. He, he's the opposite of Mr. Eichelberg. Okay. But I didn't know. Right. It was, a, it was a real subtle white dude, dude, Mr. Scanlon. I'll never forget, man. He said, Terry, Terry, you want to play football, right? I was like, oh man, that's my dream. That's what I want to do. He said, you know, I went to University of Michigan and I want to take you to Ann Arbor. Now, you got to understand, Flint and Ann Arbor is like heaven and hell. <laughs> Ann, Arbor. Ann Arbor is manicured lawns, big old light posts, clean view. They got that big U of M on the garage. You know what I mean? Big cats living in big stately brick houses. Bruh, I, listen, he drove, we drove. I'll never forget, man. He picked me up Saturday morning. We were supposed to go see the, the football game. Mm-hmm. And he was going to take me to a real Michigan football game. So I get up early. I'm, I, Man, I'm ready. I'm sitting out by the window like, man, here he come. I get in. We go down to Ann Arbor, and I see the difference. Like, man, this place is pretty, man. This is beautiful. And then we go around. Then he takes me to, like, the pregame. Like, they have this whole, like, all this food laid out inside with all the alumni and the whole thing, man. And he's walking around. He's introducing me. He's like, yeah, man, this is this is Terry. I want to introduce you to Terry. He wants to play mm-hmm. football. And they're like, oh, look, at hey, Terry. And we eating. I'm, I'm sitting there with pancakes with sausage, with chicken. You know, it's the brunch. So it's all good. <laughs> I ain't <laughs> ate like this. <laughs> so I, then we go to the game. Guys, 105 thousand people no like no um, university no. of michigan i forget who they were playing i don't care i said <laughs> and it was that wave of blue and gold and i was like i've never seen nothing like this in my life dude i'm so pumped man we go to the game they win i'm like oh my god this is like incredible we get in the car we on our way back to flint man i'm so excited man my heart's just I said, man, look, I said, Mr. Scanlon, I said, man, I'm going to Michigan, man. I'm going to Michigan. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Hey, wait, that's check right. this out. Check this out, though. He said, what? Yeah, man, I'm going to Michigan. You can't go to Michigan. <laughs> really? I said, hey, man. I said, what? He said, Terry, that's not your level. Wow. You should probably look at some Division three places or maybe consider community college first. Wow. Um, but you're not Michigan material. Oh, listen to me, man. 
I said, then what the F did you bring me there for? Absolutely. Now, this is what I was thinking. I was always a respectable young man. So mm -hmm. I just, I looked at him. Then I looked out the window and all of a sudden the whole day started playing back. And it was like, he was showing me off like I was a pet. He was showing me off like here, I got this little ghetto kid. Look at that. I'm a good boy. He was getting props off me. Mm -hmm. he, he was like, Look at this little black boy. Look how I bring look, him to the game. Like ready to pat me on the head. Oh, look, look, look at all the stuff you could never have. Yeah. Look at all the stuff you ain't gonna never gonna get. Oh, poor boy. You know what? I'm gonna get you. We're gonna give you a little bit of this before you die. <laughs> wow. Bruh, I, it all hit me. That day, I said, I get angry all over again, thinking mm -hmm. about it. Yeah. How this dude going to play me like, I, I said, all right, I use that. Ooh. For the rest of I still use it today. Oh, you can't I just. Treat me like that. Don't, don't show me nothing that I can't have it. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? you yeah. Know, okay, we're going to eat this today, and then you want to give me a can of beans tomorrow? Tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bump that. I said, bruh, I want wow. steak. I always want steak. Yeah, play with you know, me. You know, you know what's so crazy about that, Terry? So Damn. I can't, I can't even name a handful of. I'd say it this way, but black folks, man, who have not experienced that, where you know, if you they they bring mm -hmm. you, they show you, you know, don't even let you sip the tea, let you know how to stir it, but don't let you sip the tea, man. That, <laughs> that's that's so crazy, man. That's so crazy. Wow. But Terry, I know, I, man, we don't want we don't want to lose our time with you, so oh. we want to hop into this thing called halftime. Yeah. Would yes. you halftime is where we know we're gonna throw some quick hitters at you. So I got I got five, six quick hitters I'm gonna hit you with. Then AG gonna hit you with a quick hitter. This is because you're in acting. Mm -hmm. I gotta I gotta hit you with this, man. Tell me which one it is. Okay. That you gonna watch. The Bachelor or Love Island? Oh man, Bachelor. I go with Bachelor. Because I was <laughs> on an episode of The Bachelor. Me and my wife was on an episode trying to teach these these women. Watch out. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll take that. We'll take that. Go with the bachelor. Night Rider or the Equalizer? Oh, no. I Night Rider all day, man. Night Rider. Night Rider. Night Rider, bro. <laughs> all right. Now, now, now. Going to get a little hard on you. The Voice or American Idol? Ooh. I'm going with American Idol, man. I like the voting stuff. You know what I all mean? Right. Let them vote. You know what I mean? Let the, peop let the people say what's up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> now, now I'm really about to hit you because these last two I'm gonna take you back. The Arsenio Hall show or the Magic Hour? Arsenio Hall, <laughs> bro. You gotta know my first time in LA. Arsenio, I went to Arsenio when I was playing with the Chargers. I went and visited Arsenio Hall, man. It was like, it was like the club. It was crazy, man. <laughs> would be standing over there with. Queen Latifah on the other side, couldn't play behind me. It was hot. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now, now this one here, man. You probably gonna need that. You gonna you gonna have to think about this one. This okay. one gonna be a little difficult. Then again, maybe maybe not. Yeah. In Living Color, or the Chappelle Show. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. Both of them. Both of them got the, the juice. Okay. Yeah. Both of them are legit and amazing. Yes. 
But because I got to go with who started it all. Yeah. I got to go with the living color. That's my man Keenan Ivory Wands. Yes. Who directed me in White Chicks. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's my feeling. There would be no Chappelle show if it wasn't for a living color. That's right. right That's right. Absolutely. 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 And you go, Terry. Your craziest, the craziest talent you've seen on America's Got Talent. Oh my God! We, there was a uh, a bunch of kids from India, man. They were called V Unbeatable. These kids could jump and leap and do anything. They threw these kids off balconies, bro. You know, like they were the white kids off the balcony, but these and they kids, land on their feet. And man, they did the most amazing tricks. That they actually ended up winning. America's Got Talent, the champions, because they came back abroad. The thing is, they came from nothing. When you say nothing, they said, what will you do if you win the million dollars? The head guy says, we'd buy safety equipment. (laughs) (laughs) I said, y'all won. Yo, that's, right. that's crazy. They doing all this with no safety equipment, man. When they fall out, they just fall hit the ground. It was unreal. That is crazy. That is crazy. Let me hit you with this, man. Your three favorite sneakers to wear around. Wow. Okay. Oh man. Uh, I'm gonna look around. Oh, I got these. Um, man, I'm pulling. What? Uh, <laughs> um, I got these. I forget. I might not be saying them right. There. Um, what is it? Uh, man. Anyway, I, you know, I got. I'm gonna go with some air. I don't like Air Force Ones. I. I everybody loves Air Force Ones. I'm not that kind of guy. I mm. love the Air Maxes. First okay. one, Air Maxes. Yeah. Second one is my running. Uh, I, I got my um, soccer knees. My running soccer knees because I run a lot. You know, I run yeah. four miles a day, and, and I mean for years, years. Mm. Um. And my third, third uh, is probably my fry boots. I love my boots, especially, you know, they look cool, make you look dressed up, do your thing. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, they still comfy like sneakers. <laughs> That's what's up. There we hey, go. Five tracks in your playlist right now. Oh, man, that goes way back. Okay. Uh, five on. tracks in my playlist. I got to go with, because, oh, man, I got so much music. What what, what, uh, we, what what we popping in listening to the go on our drive to the studio? You know, what, I gotta, what I gotta go with Drake. Okay. Uh, I gotta go with Drake. And, and then you know what? I know it's controversial, but everybody, but Travis Scott, yeah. you know, Travis. And then my number one dude, he still is, man. It's Kanye, man. The Yeezer. Yeezy. Genius, bro. <laughs> I mean, it's it's wild, but you can't take nothing away because you like what he does. Yep. You know what I mean? I don't know. You know, actually, your movie inspired his documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, we, we, genius. Yeah. That's he crazy. Said, he said, it. he said, my man, he, they, they saw Hoop Dreams and decided to do the same thing with Kanye. Ain't yeah. that crazy? That's crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> what? So, the most famous football player you've ever done a portrait of? Ooh, yeah. Um, I would say Dan Marino. Mm. Yeah, I painted a picture of Dameron because you know I used to go back in the locker room and paint portraits of the players when I got cut, and what? that's how I made money. That's how I survived. I would paint portraits of the players in the NFL locker room because I played six teams in seven years, so I was all over the place. So they would pay me to point to paint their families, paint themselves, paint all that stuff. It was great. Damn, 
That is crazy. As a matter of fact, I'm glad you brought that up too, man, because we want to thank you for doing halftime with us. Yes, yes. Absolutely. And we want to talk, man, just a little bit about your, your NFL career because a lot of people don't know that Terry Crews played professional, professional football. Fo I mean, yeah, right. you're, you're, you're more known more for your your art. And, and, and speaking of your art too, man, I just want to say I did get your book, by the way, too, the children's book. Oh, the thank one, you. The one, thank the you. one, the his was crazy. I was, I was on your page, and you was like, "Listen, the first five thousand that 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 say they want it, man. I was one of the first five thousand, so I gave it and my and read it to my granddaughter, man. Absolutely, mm, thank so, you. But my question for you is, man, uh, particularly when it comes to, I mean, you were drafted by the Rams, and like you say, you moved around. How how did you know that you could use the art component? to make some money, and not only that, how did you walk through that process of not even feeling embarrassed to do that? Well, you know what, man? Let me tell you, it, what I, one thing I realized is that, you know, pride comes before fall, <laughs> mm. you know? And the thing is, is that there were so many times in my life because, you know, we as Black people, you know, we live by our image. Yeah. You know, we live by projecting the image. We live by, you know, we got to show the world what this look like and talk stuff. And, you know, even, even you know, trash talk is part of that. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And all that. Yeah, yeah, I did it. But the problem is, is that it probably is not what you really are. Mm -hmm. And I, every time you get down to what you really, really are, it, it's humbling. You know what I mean? And yeah. I had to realize, like I said, look, man, this is a skill that I have. And I had to really just, you know, having a wife and kids at the time, I said, man, look, I got to do whatever I got to do to get to the next team, the next level. To next. And I, I, it was humbling. But my, what's so crazy is that once you do humble yourself that way, everybody understands. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's wild because... Um, when I first moved to LA, even after football, after doing those paintings and all that stuff, I, we went broke. I, I never made a lot of money in the NFL. My mm. first job in LA was sweeping floors, you know? Wow. And that, that was extremely humbling, man. But see, one thing I learned is that, you know, you never, never despise humble beginnings. Yep. Like this yep. is going to get you what you want. And that's the way you got to think of it. Like, you know what I mean? Your dream comes with a whole lot of small, small things yeah. that might, might be humbling at the time. Yeah, like, again, going to class and, and not figuring yeah. it out, looking like you don't know the answer. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, you still, but the, but the thing that's going to get you the answer is asking the question. So what happens is people get, don't want to ask the question because they look like they don't know what they're doing. But that's why you in school. That's why you in school. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, you see what I mean? It's like if you if you fall for that, you're not gonna learn. Mm. And so what I realized is that don't fall for it. And I came up with a thing that I call being unembarrassable. Mm -hmm. You have to be unembarrassable. And that and that doesn't mean do stupid things or whatever, but it's right. just a thing where it's like, hey man, you know what? I fart. I fart. Yeah. If anybody tells you they don't fart, yeah. they lie. <laughs> they lie. You lie. <laughs> and I said, you know what? I just got to realize that there's some things that just need to be done. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if I got to sweep this floor to get what I need, then the floor needs to be swept. Yeah. Stop being arrogant and acting like it's too big. And there were plenty of times in my life where I didn't get that, where my wife was like, 
take out the garbage. I was like, hey, you, you know who I am. I'm Terry. <laughs> like, boy, get your take out that garbage. <laughs> you got, and you know, your wife will tell you right away that, hey, wait, stop. Yeah. You know what? You need to really um, humble yourself and understand what's going on. Terry. And man, it keeps you grounded. It keeps everything right. Terry, keep it, uh, you know, being on the teams that you've been on, you know, you, you know, it, Coming, coming from out of the football world and going into the acting world, explain to our younger listeners how you did not let one thing defeat you from going into seeing your other dreams in acting. How did you keep that mental, that mental toughness and that perseverance and doing your art? And how did you get your first acting role coming out of NFL? First of all, uh, you have to understand, growing up in Flint, I used to get clowned for talking white, said stuff like that. You know, you you know. Remember, I went to the school in the middle of the hood. Yeah. So when they saw us going in, these cats was the gangsters was out there. Like, oh, look at this egghead. You know, I, there were times I had to fight my way in. Damn. So I real I realized a long time ago that wait a minute, man. You know what? Like, and then I saw how these cats ended up. You know, you see this. this yeah. This, Selling drugs, the whole thing. I'm trying to get to college. I'm trying to do something special. Mm-hmm. And so you realize that, man, you got to face these cats. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And you realize a long time ago, I realized a long time ago that art, because people would see me drawing and all that stuff. And the art class people was like, oh, man. And then they didn't respect the fact that I was an athlete. And the athletes didn't respect that I was an artist. So I've always been an outlier. You know wow. what I mean? So I was always in the middle. I was always, and then I was fine with it. Like, so this is where being a football player and an artist at the same time didn't have a problem for me. Wow. And so when I moved out to L.A. and we went broke and did our thing, mom, people kept coming up to me. Like, they said, hey, man, you got a good look. You should try acting. And I was like, because I was trying to get behind the scene. I was trying to get a, to be a special effects artist and the whole thing. And the people were like, man, you, know, you need to try in front. And I was like, nah, that's all right. And uh, this one dude was like, this one guy, he's like, no, you got a great look. You should try it. I thought he was hitting on me. I was like, hey, man, back up. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, I know that's out of LA. Y- y'all back up. And then what happened was I, th- my wife said, you know what? So many people have told you this. You need to try it. Mm. I said, really? I said, okay. And again, man, my wife has been there from the beginning. Like, mm. I got married the day before my 21st birthday. Wow. Me and my wife are going on 32 years. See, Ooh. and I'm going to tell you this. There's no, everything you see, when you see Terry Crews, you see Rebecca Crews. Mm. It ain't no separation. Like, where I, it, there is no end. I don't end and she don't begin. It's like we're all together. Yeah. And yeah. she was always that guiding light, like that person who could see the eyes in the back of my head that could see the stuff I wasn't seeing. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you need to try this. And I said, okay. And I went and I got it. Wow. wow. It was the first show I ever went for is a show called Battle Dome. Now, Battle Dome was like American gladiators on steroids. It was like <laughs> we were warriors. And I played this character named T-Money from Detroit. You know, it was before, way before Damon from Friday After Night. Yeah. It's way before that. I, I was this warrior but it was big and it was a, I was like, man, I love this. What? And look, I didn't even know that that was my dream. I didn't even know that acting was going to be the thing that did it, it did man. It and look, last year I got the star on the walk of fame 
And I looked at my wife like, you told me to do this. What? Hey, this crazy. Big props. It's, so, it's a little bit like Eiffelberg. So it's we, a little bit like So we go to Hollywood. When we go, we can go down on a on a walk of fame and we can see Terry Crews star. Hollywood Boulevard. That we got the star, man. Terry Crews right there. And it's there forever. I couldn't believe it, man. That's that's better than being in a pro football hall of yes. fame, a whole thing. It's gigantic. I'm right there next to there's Michael Jackson down the street. I said, man, this is crazy. Little little kid from Flint. And you gotta know something about me, man. I am the most grateful man in Hollywood. Like, you ain't gonna find nobody more thankful than I am. Nobody. We always ask this question, mm-hmm. um, particularly to athletes, but I'm actually from an acting perspective. I always ask the athletes, what was that game that you knew that, man, this, I, I'm, I'm born to do this. What was that role that you said, you know what? This is me. I'm killing this. Hey, first of all, I was always nervous. And everything I ever do, I'm always, you, listen, I'm always nervous every time I get to do something. Like, because you, first of all, if you're nervous, that means you care, right? It, mm-hmm. And it ain't even nerves. It's more excitement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't like to call it fear. Cause it's like, you know, before that big game, if you ain't got them bubbles, you don't care. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you gotta have that bubble to get that energy, right? So my whole career, I was really nervous about, okay, am I doing this right? Cause I'm not an actor. I, I came from a whole nother thing. Yep. But dude, when I did White Chicks, <laughs> you gotta understand. You got to understand, it was on a whole, everything that was coming out, my mouth was coming out my soul. Like, it it was no stop. Keenan Ivory Wayans was like, you know, I did that song in the car. I did that in one take. Wow. Keenan was like, no, we don't need to do it No, again. you didn't. We don't need to do it again. No, you did not. And they created this environment for me that just let me roll. We was coming up with stuff off the head, man. It was so... And I, that's when I knew, I said, oh my, like, I didn't want to end. Like, you know how you having that game where you, I felt like I was scoring 80 Dang. in a basketball game. Like, I was Kobe. Like, yes, you know, yes. it was one of them. I knew I was slam dunking this. Yeah. It was so funny. I walked in one time. I said, hey, man, y'all know I stole this movie already, right? Yes, <laughs> you did. Look, right. that, look, I already knew. It was in the middle of the movie. I said, you know I stole this, look, that's so, so uh, Look, that's so crazy. Whatever else y'all want to do, y'all can do right. it. <laughs> that's so crazy, Terry, because I want to know. At the premiere, when they premiered it at the, at the premiere, I know they went crazy on your parts. But check it out. I was doing another movie in Texas called Idiocracy. When the premiere was going on, oh, let me tell you what happened. Jerry. No, I know. I know. Oh, I was there. Damn. My wife went and took my kids. Dude, the producer called me. I'll never forget this. Matt Alvarez. He called me up. Oh, excuse me, Rick Alvarez. Matt Alvarez produced Friday After Next, and Rick Alvarez produced uh, White Chick. He said, he said, Terry, Terry. He said, man, your life will never be the same. He said, this whole audience is dying. He said, they are falling out. He said, man, your life is over. It's never going to be the same. And my wife was like, honey, she called me and said, honey, oh, my God, if you were here, I don't think you could take it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, God knew. I might have a heart attack. <laughs> it was insane. And then I would do what I would do is sneak into the movie theaters uh-huh. when it was out in the summertime. It was out in the summer, right? 
So I snuck into the back of the theaters and watched people just roll and crack up. <laughs> and, dude, if, and when we went to New York, I'll never forget, they had me up on a jumbotron in New York City in Times Square oh. singing the song and the whole scene from White Chicks. And my wife was like, Terry, I don't even, I said, we can't. See, you got to understand, this is why I'm so grateful. I've already surpassed anything I already thought. Like, you know, I've already went past that. Yep. So now I'm in free play land. Like, yeah. now this is Harlem Globetrotters now. <laughs> this is like behind the back. This is and one. <laughs> and, and, and look, the confidence exudes. championship already. You Absolutely. know what I mean? Absolutely. And your, confi- well, and your confidence exudes through that. Oh, dude. Uh, listen, after that, I said... It was so amazing and so great. And uh, it taught me everything I needed to know, man. And it's because you only learn by doing it. You can can study it, you can write about it, the whole thing. But man, the more I did, the better I got. Well, listen, Terry, AG got one last question for you. Then we are we are done, and we appreciate your time today, man. Thank you so much. I love you guys, man. You my brother, man. Yes, yes. Terry, what is the next chapter in the cruise hoop dreams. Woo! Well, uh, what is so amazing right now is that I love hosting America's Got Talent, man. It's that that it's gigantic. Yeah. It's gigantic. It's worldwide, okay? Yeah. Uh Global. one thing that's super, super special to me is that I have my second book coming out. It's called Tough, mm. coming out April 22nd, which really some of the stories that I share with you guys today. Uh, was really about me having to revamp what my definition of toughness was. I got a cover of it right now. Oh, beautiful. That's beautiful. I love that cover, Terry. Yeah. Coming out April, it's my my mantra, it's my will, it's my testament. You know what I mean? Getting it. And it's just really all about, because you had to, I had to redefine what being tough was. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Because I thought it was all about when I was you young, it's about beating people up. Mm-hmm. About this, but I learned it was about protection. It was about, you know, having muscles to build and not to break down. Mm. You know what I mean? Like my father in my eyes as a kid was tough. But in fact, because he's beating up with his wife, it's the weakest thing ever. Mm. You know what I mean? He should have been using it, to, the strength to do something else, to be productive. Yeah. So this is the this is the thing I feel is so, so pumped about, man. It comes out April 22nd. April 22nd, everybody, make sure you get TC's book, Tough. I'm on it. I know AG on it. Yes. Terry, man, we can't we can't thank you enough for your time, man. Uh, I, I'm, I'm on this page. Every, it's just like you were saying earlier. We, we done had the and one today. We done had yeah, the behind the back. <laughs> toss it up, catch the alley-oop. <laughs> the uh, ice uh, man, George Gervin, finger, finger roll. roll. I mean, we done, I mean, that's, that's, that's what you are for us today, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, Terry. Man, the mere fact that you even answered, you know, when I sent you that DM, I, I'm just, man, grateful. Hey, I got y'all, man. I cannot wait till we meet in person. Like, for real. We just we just got to sit down, break bread, and eat and talk, man. And just, just kick it. Yeah, that's it. That's all we got to do, man. And I can't wait. I love you guys, man. I'm the gold of my era. I've been a trending topic. I'm as fly as a feather. My pocket's macroscopic. See, with time, I get better. I'm always in the action, kid. No, I got it locked from Chicago where the toughest live. Concrete jungle earn my stripes on the pavement there. You make it here, then you can make it anywhere. 
no comparison. Your game is embarrassing. No one can touch me. I'm all but going there again. Yeah, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm balling like I'm Martha AG. I'm box office, and one day they gon' have to pay me. Yeah, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm balling like I'm Martha AG. I'm box office, and one day they gon' have to pay me. Hoop Dreams, the podcast, an Unlearning Network production. Written and produced by Arthur Agee, Will Gates, Matt Hoffer, with audio engineering from Matt Savage. For more episodes, check us out at www.unlearningnetwork.com. Gotta be a dog to survive in this cold weather. Ice in my veins, no need for a warm sweater. I'm coming forward, all best believe I won't let up, yeah. Hey, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm ballin' like I'm Martha Agee I'm box office and one day they gon' have to pay me Yeah, I think I'm ballin' like I'm Will Gates I'm hoop dreamin', trying to fight against a sealed fate More faith, think I'm ballin' like I'm Martha Agee I'm box office and one day they gon' have to pay me If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.